Hello and welcome to Philam Creatives Podcast Voices. <laughs> I'm your host Walter Talents, Vice President of Philam Creative, and this is my lovely co-host Arlene Della Pena, or as we've known before <laughs> as uh, Arlene from the Rock. Yes, I love I mean, it. Of the Rock. of the Rock. Yes, I love it because it reminds me of Game of Thrones. It's like such a. I mean, it is very prestigious, you know. <laughs> yeah. Of you the know, Rock, just we're not all like under the solid rock. rock dwellers. That's where <laughs> yeah. the Della Pena's come from, from Spain. There, there you, you go. go. Whoa, jeez. Oh my god. <laughs> and we both wore blue today. <laughs> uh, yes, and this film I'm Creative, we are an organization of just creative Filipino Americans uh, with the idea of just uh, coming together and supporting each other uh, in our endeavors for being, whether it's filmmaking, graphics, fashion, or anything basically creative related, right? Uh, and we're coming to you from Los Angeles, California, uh, right here at PWC in historic Filipino town. Filipino Worker Center. Uh, and you can find them on the, their website, pwcsc.org. They are a great supporter of Philam uh, Creative. And um, it's a great organization. Just uh, they basically uh, advocate for uh, immigrants and domestic workers the, that not just Filipinos, but just any immigrants from different countries, but with the focus on Filipinos, uh, Filipino immigrants. A wonderful group. Shout out to Malu, uh, big supporter of Philam Creative. Thank you. Um, and so, how you been? Like, it's been it's been a few days since I last saw you. Like, yeah, how's the? I feel like I see you all the time now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. We have to always talk about our, no, aside from just <laughs> gossiping, uh, we got to talk about like just uh, projects and Philam Creative stuff. Yeah. But I forget, well, didn't you just get done doing some army training recently? Um, yeah, I did. I mean, uh, it's just that, you know, because uh, Filipinos, like a lot of us are, we've served in the military, mostly Navy, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the army, in army reserve. So we, I think just the history of like, training but yes like we have to update so i, I was at the range recently so getting wait, my wait. pew pew did on. you what did you qualify uh i qualify sharpshooter usually ah, i still try to get expert dude i am an expert wait 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 guns. what are you what are you sh- <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what were you what weapon were you using we use m4s oh m4s okay i'm an expert shot on an m4 yeah, that's good. Yeah, I M4, mean, M16. I'll let you guys know, nine mil. women are historic. I will admit, women are historically better shooters. I, as a as a man who, a fact, it's fact. <laughs> I'm I'm not even gonna try to sugarcoat it. Like historically, women are better shooters just because they ha- they're. I don't know why. I mean, my training goes back to when I was a child, though, because when I was ten years old, my dad would make me practice breathing technique, and he would put the dimes on the rifle and if I could just pull the trigger slowly enough and not drop the dimes. Sure, but you're like a, an army brat though, like right? Your dad was a... Yeah, my dad was that crazy uh, drill sergeant. And yeah. so I was a soldier for life, uh, according go. to him. He so told yeah. me I will always be a private. But you know, I got out as a captain, so... There you go. You know. Hey, you guys, uh, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Filipino-Americans have been uh, serving in the military since... Well, since America took Philippines from the Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> History lesson by Walter Talens. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Sorry, that just got deep real quick for a second there. Uh, and dark. <laughs> a little bit dark. <laughs> well, we have an awesome guest today. We have Tim Cruz. He is a producer. He's a music. Well, he's a music video uh, director, but now he's like he's moving on to big time feature film producing. Yeah. Um, he was also a uh, um, he did the Producers Guild of America. Uh, what is it? Fellowship or he's he's gonna tell. Well, I'm gonna ask him about it. It's it's such. He did one of the programs. He did one of the programs and like basically trying to get more. Uh, minorities and like people of color i heard producers. he's pretty comfortable with you know a few millions of dollars budgets oh wow. that's a word on the street i heard him say word on the street? <laughs> i think he carries it in a suitcase in her. that's what i heard with big dollar signs on it <laughs> although that might be something else <laughs> so without further ado we're gonna bring out uh tim and he, we're gonna speak to him about his uh, endeavors in filmmaking all right so give us a second and we'll be right back Today's episode brought to you by the good folks at Filipino Worker Center. From the heart of historic Filipino town, PwC focuses on providing programs that help meet the immediate needs of workers and their families, while at the same time building their leadership to take collective action for long-lasting change. We have a unique esprit duende inside us who has a very special, original framing of the world, okay? Only your duende can frame the world. Every great artist has nurtured his own little duende. And if you understand that process, I mean, by all means, please watch the masters, watch Kurosawa films, watch Godard, watch Coppola, Spielberg, but don't copy them. Understand how they, their duende blossomed and how it made their masterpieces. Then you can make your own masterpiece. With a mission to empower Filipino American creatives within the entertainment industry, we are showcasing these hand-selected short films of all genres on the big screen from our filmmaking community. Please join us on Friday, July 27th at Regency Valley Plaza 6 Theater. Tickets are on sale now at Eventbrite. Just search Filmmakers Night Tickets, or you can find more information on our website at philamcreative.org. And we are back. We are here with Tim Cruz. He is a music video director and a commercial director yeah. and producer. All the things. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me, and uh, this is really cool. I'm so glad you could make it and come join us because you just recently uh, came, just flew back in the states, right? Yeah, I just got back from uh, Japan in the Saga. Oh, cool. Saga is the southern part of Japan, and we were there from the uh, by the Japanese Film Commission and the uh, Saga Film Commission. We were on scout for our movie, and Ooh. it was so fun. They were so, they were so kind and hospitable, and I'm so jet lagged. <laughs> how, how long were you there for? We were there for a week. Oh, one week. cool! Yeah, I touched down, stayed, and then I had one night in Tokyo, and then flew back, and then we are back there on the 23rd, 24th wow. for two weeks. Then I come back here, and then go to the Philippines a month later. For the Dang. rest of the film. Oh. It's great. True story. It's so exhausting. 
true story. I was like, when I found out, I was like, hey, you need a personal security detail. Mm, uh, you need. A, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm the expert shot. You will get. But I am the, the mediocre <laughs> shot over here. Oh. Damn. <laughs> but I'm the blade expert. There you go. That's true. That's true. I don't do blades. I know. I am. I'm. That. I think a blade in a close combat is probably more dangerous than actually than a weapon. Yeah. Than a, than gun. a gun. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm just speculating. No, it's uh, it's actually amazing. Dan Inosanto, legendary Filipino martial artist here in Los Angeles, uh, Bruce Lee's friend, um, he did do a training video with LAPD a while back and um, doing that, like how dangerous uh, knives are compared to like pistols or weapons. And like, in a, it's, there's a certain distance that it makes it very dangerous. Oh, yeah. So, so fun fact for you viewers. <laughs> and, and then plus in cinema, I think a knife fight is so much more gruesome than an actual gun fight. Yeah. yeah. I just saw, um, what is it, Red Sparrow? Mm. With, oh, um, I'm going to watch it. Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. And there is a brutal knife fight in there that it's like, <laughs> you're cringing because like they're showing the slices and, oh, wow. and like just, just, I mean, they're literally stabbing each other. And, and a friend of mine who's a martial arts is, is saying that even if you are fighting with a knife, you're going to get stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you'll get Even if you win, you'll still sure. get hit. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, because like, I, I train martial arts or Filipino martial arts with like um, uh, with the dog brothers. and But even before that, when I used to read a, and hear stories about this, the Manongs and like the, the Filipino uh, masters and stuff, it's almost guaranteed, though. They're like, if you... The, if you're gonna get into a knife fight, you are gonna get cut. Like, yeah. there's no ifs and or about it. There are questions about it. It's just it's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> Have you done training in combatives? Uh, no, everything's just been like on my own dime, like just doing it. Like, I just been a fan of martial arts since I was a kid. So, um, it, with you uh, filmmaking, like have. You incorporated any martial arts? Speaking of which, Ooh, okay. nice slide into that. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, this is a Slick. podcast about filmmaking. Um, it's just like my DMs. You know, I, I love watching it, and I I just I just know the whole the concept of blocking, um, in the choreo choreography of a of a fight scene is so technically outside what I'm normally familiar with that it's 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 one of those spaces where I'm like I'm gonna bring in. Someone who um, who who does you know fight choreography to yeah. supplement what I lack, you know, which is basically you know how I how I tend you know operate it when when I don't know what to do, and um, I mean like for me my specialty is in like humor, it's in beauty, mm -hmm. it's in comedy as a director, um, and action is just like I love watching it. I'm like I have no idea to even like how to pull that off. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, you accept that. But, I mean, you, with your experience in music videos, too, mm -hmm. like you brought in dance choreographers oh, yeah, and all that absolutely. stuff. So it's kind absolutely. of the same thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's similar in that sense that it's like, oh, you, you can, oh, I didn't know you can move your body that way. Wonderful. Go ahead, go ahead, enjoy, you know. It's like just <laughs> make sure it's placed this way and that, you know, the But I imagine the with, with, sustained. with fight choreography, I mean, you have such a high risk for injuries. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, depending, like, if they're using weapons. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, and as a director, you're responsible for that. You are responsible for the safety of all your actors and all your players. So, you know, and in the same sense, too, and, like, um, like filming a sex scene. Like, mm -hmm. I would bring in a fight choreographer for that because that is all, like, body movement. That is, you know, mm -hmm. you want your actors to feel safe. 
um, just like a fight scene. It should be very well rehearsed, and that mm -hmm. the you know the actors are protected in how they uh, interact because they're you know they're intimately vulnerable. You know, it's like someone's breasts are exposed, or you know the dangle bits are dangling, and and it's like you know <laughs> you don't want to um, you want both actors to feel comfortable in order for them to bring their best performance forward because you know. In, in my opinion, if I'm going to have a sex scene, there's going to be, uh, there's something in there that has to push the narrative. Yeah. Right. Well, right. I, I think they did that really well, too, in, uh, in Annihilation. There's a movie that just came mm -hmm. out. Cause, um, and it was, it was <laughs> used as part of her emotional journey. And I think, you know, in that case, you know, it's really important. And, and, and yeah, and as a director, you should protect your actors and, and, and definitely help them feel comfortable. Just as you would in a fight scene. Would you do a sex scene? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's done tastefully. <laughs> okay, as a woman, I feel like there are films out there that you there is no need for nudity mm -hmm. for this film Absolutely. to tell the story yeah. or or sex scenes and. Um, I mean, like, I feel like as a woman, we're always asked, like, oh, okay, are you willing to do, you know, what types of scenes are you comfortable with? And yeah. uh, and and you are putting a lot of um, faith in the director, yeah. you know, and the rest of the crew. And because I mean, like, you have like twenty plus people like looking at you, and mm -hmm. I've never done it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but um, but yeah, if I was ever asked to be in that predicament, I. I don't know if I if I could do it. You know, yeah. So do you have like those conversations, you know, early on? Oh, or, absolutely. Yeah. And do you, do they change uh, as like as you're filming like yeah. day of? Um, I mean, I mean, everybody knows sex sales, and one of the big one of the big things that's really um, apparent is one of the ways that you fill, raise film financing is um, pre-sales, mm -hmm. right? So you pre-sell the movie based on the actors attached and things like that. A secondary thing is is the content, um, and in order to almost get like European pre-sales and content, it, it's a, it's almost there's like this small little, I guess it's a known uh, thing is that there should be nudity in it, or there should be you know because nudity sells in Europe, mm -hmm. um, or at least at, at the time when pre-sales were at their highest. And, and it seems like in Europe, it, nudity is not. Taboo. That big of a deal. Yeah. Sex so, is not that big of a deal in Europe, Absolutely. right? Because yeah, yeah. even on TV, yeah. uh, you know, I, I remember as a child, like uh -huh. turning on the TV, and you just see. I mean, like there's topless beaches everywhere in Europe, mm -hmm. and it's not like it's, I don't it's, know. It's not the, the big thing of a that deal. they actually don't like uh, is violence. Yeah, yep. violence is how America perceives nudity. Like, like in America, in the United States, it's like as soon as you see nudity, they run away from it. Um, but yeah, I, I as a director, when someone says, "Oh, there's," You know, there's probably going to be nudity in this. It's like the first thing I ask is, is it necessary? Um, yeah. Because it's uh, it's also it slows down production, right? Because what's yeah. going to happen is you're going to have to protect the actors, so that you're going to have to close the set, and so it needs to be essentials. And when it's just essentials on set, the sl set slows down. Um, and 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 then there's also the tension from the actor. And you know how they how comfortable they feel. I did a I did a short film a long time ago with um, a director named Abigail Bean, and she's incredible. She's like one of she's a writer um, and director, and and she's just got great style. I think I, I call her like if Sofia Coppola wasn't 
a Coppola, mm-hmm. she would be where Sofia Coppola is. Nice. Um, and there was a scene where um, it was these two lovers who are in bed, and and they were just laying there in their in their nudity and then in there, and um, you know I had to close the set, I had to like lock it off. It was just the DP sound and her. Uh, I had to. Pro- we had to protect the actors, um, but at the same time, then the actors started panicking. It's like I don't look. I don't feel good. I don't. You know. I don't want to be naked right now. And it's like, well, this is really crucial to what your character's journey is. Mm. This isn't something that we're just trying to be gratuitous about. You know, this is you laying there, vulnerable with this other person. And so, it, it even despite the fact that you know she agreed to it and everything, it still slowed the day down because she needed to be coached. Yeah into being okay with this moment. And then on top of being okay with this moment, she had to be brought to a place where she could perform mm-hmm. while vulnerable. And that's tough, you know, and that's that's hard. Is nudity different, um, well maybe not nudity, but intimate scenes in music videos? Because you've done so oh, yeah. many music videos yeah, with these major artists. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of like think back, you know, to, uh, music videos yeah. growing up and oh gosh well, I mean they were so sexy yeah. and, so, like, and they still are um, <laughs> we I used to produce these videos for a G unit called late night BET videos mm. which were pretty much booty videos um, <laughs> made me feel so I mean back then I was like okay with it but now it's like ooh, I don't I don't like telling people about it uh, <laughs> maybe the shame <laughs> Um, I had a different agenda back then. Um, and it was, you know, it was tough because, I mean, we casted, un- unfortunately, at the strip club. Yeah. And it was like, hey, you know, who wants to be in this video? And, and they're comfortable with it. You know, it's, right. a, it's just my favorite, though, was one time we had this model come in and she signed her um, release form uh, XOXO. And mm. like hearts and stuff, and I'm like, oh no, no, I we need your information. This is, this is a release. This is a legal binding, you know, thing. In order to show you, the record label's not going to accept your stage name. Yeah. And she goes, but why? You know, and she was just like, and I was like, oh, we got to do it. And then we find out that she was actually here illegally, um, and so that she didn't have a proper, you know. So there's, listen, just sign your name, you know, that you release and that you consent that we can use your image for. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, the uh, <laughs> music videos do require, but uh, ironically, the uh, the MTV has really strict rules on how uh, female and male bodies are portrayed. For mm-hmm. instance, if you show a booty or if you show a body part, the next shot corresponding has to contain that model's face, or else it's gratuitous. If it's how interesting. Yeah. Their um, standards and practices, mm-hmm. uh, S and P, uh, are actually stricter than most networks, uh, which is ironic because everyone's like, oh, they just show, you know, all this. No, MTV and VH1 and all the Viacom family have really strict, and, you know, they don't want to disparage, you know, people because old videos used to do that. It was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, so and, give them credit, like at least feature they be, they're Yeah, seen. well, I just make, you know, make it not demeaning. Yeah. Um, and, but, but then there was gray areas where it would be like art, you know? So I know, I don't know. I guess it all leaves to what the lawyer feels like that day when, when they decide <laughs> yeah, yeah. on it. Which, uh, which way the wind So Talons, you have a shot to make it into a, 
music video. I, yeah, I mean, I can Our work squat on challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to do those uh, deadlifts and squats, man. <laughs> <laughs> we have a squat challenge coming up. Oh, yes. what, what are you at? What's yes. the max? Uh, we haven't uh, gotten that far yet okay. in our challenge. Are you doing goblet squats? <laughs> no, just deadlifts and deadlifts. Like, we're oh. just we're just basically competing who has the best booty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, That's come good. on, guys, come on. I don't know if that'll be part of voices, but uh, <laughs> we'll have to check with Rodney on that Points. one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just be featured in Tim's next music video. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll figure out where, we'll look at the uh, YouTube analytics on where, where yes. people tune Who? out. <laughs> and that's how we decide, like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, your booty Clear, works. Clearly and then works. it'll be like, booty even face. Booty even yeah. face, you know? That's like... I wonder if there's, <laughs> analytics, <laughs> if there's analytics of where people pause and take a screenshot. <laughs> There yeah, you they, go. They, they, yeah, they do. So you could, I think you could do that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, <laughs> Tell us more about this feature film. So you're traveling all around the world and all over Asia. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a drama slash romantic comedy. Uh, it was originally written by Vanessa Elgado, who's a producer that I'd worked with in the Philippines before. And uh, it was a distribution company that actually is distributing uh, another f a feature film that I wrote called Dancing on My Own. Um, and we are in the works of shooting that in October, mm. September maybe, who knows? <laughs> uh, gotta raise that money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this one is shooting in Saga, Japan, and it is uh, using uh, Japan's uh, very generous uh, rebate and subsidy where they basically pay for half of whatever you spend in the country. Ooh. And so then you take money against that, raise that pre-finance, and, and, and match it with a liquid investor. Um, and then so that is looking to shoot in the 24th. It's about a, a woman who was left at the altar three years ago, and, and uh, the man returns uh, to town, and she decides to make his life a living hell. And it's about her anger and her and her revenge and whether or not that gives her the fulfillment that she um, unknowingly desires. So it's like a thriller. No, it's a comedy. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a drama comedy. I'm scared already. Yeah, but it, I mean, like, I maybe I painted it wrong. I just, I mean, it's, it's like she just tries to ruin his career and stuff and, and makes him hurt a little bit. Um, and he has to uh, try to win her back. Okay. Uh, do you uh, can you talk about who's attached already? And, uh, or you can't I mean, I think that. we can say we have Rocco in the CEO, and then we are in negotiations with the actress. Okay. Um, which is actually literally, I have been on the phone for three hours last night, and then another hour this morning, just in talks. And it's really tough because we're in LA, mm -hmm. and what is it? It's like. I don't know how many hours the Philippines is, but yeah. I just know that the conversations run really late into the night and early in the morning. Oh, so and your jet lag. Yeah. And that. What's it, is your actress uh, like American or, or oh, Filipino? Like Filipino. Filipino. Yeah, I casted Filipino. And, and even when I was casting Dancing on My Own, I was looking in the Philippines to bring here um, because um, the pool here is very small. Mm-hmm. Um, of Filipino actors, um, you know, um, it's like between like Vincent Rodriguez and like a bunch of other. <laughs> I don't. You, it's it's kind of 
it's tough. I mean, like you go to an agency, I'm like, hey, I need a Filipino comedian or an actor, um, and they'll give you the the usual suspects who aren't necessarily the ones that you want for the role. Yeah. And there's only a handful of us, you know. Which is, I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, you know, like as you know, Film Creative is uh, a group of Filipino filmmakers. We have actors and stuff like that. Like, but coming from a producer's perspective, yeah. like, um, and like the actors that's watching this and future producers, like how can Filipino American um, actors or even Asian American actors like get to that next level or even like be seen by producers like Create your own content. I think creating your own content is being seen by those producers, um, mobilizing it yourself because no one's gonna do it for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, writers today are, 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 are starting to implement more Filipino culture into the, which is really great, which I'm really super excited about. Um, Like watching My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and seeing a Filipino family portrayed on network television for the first time. Like (laughs) at the end of season one, I was like crying. And I'm like, you know, here's ironically, it's like, I've heard of Rachel Bloom. We all Mm -hmm. came up in New York at the same time. You know, she had her UCB troupe and like, you know, all those and you, you hear it intermingling but watching her show up there and and she started out creating her own content mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys yeah. know that but she put out youtube videos and and i think that showrunner discovered her and where she is now but but that show you know seeing you know her character try to make dinu go on you know it's like really funny and and i was just like so excited about it and i think as a filipino american community and filmmakers you know, I love finding this group, and I loved, I, and I searched out for this group. Um, it was, it was something that was drastically missing in, in my path, in my journey. Um, uh, and and it's great seeing it. It's like, oh wow, I could write all this content. I have a a group of writers that I work with and producers, and and a lot of our content is diverse content, and it's you know content that that stories from the underserved communities mm-hmm. about love about you know just just and and they tend to skew millennial um but but the thing is it's like we want people crave these stories i mean look at how black panther did oh my god so good it's so good and then people it becomes a part of their identity and there's so many filipino americans here it's like why isn't there something we can latch on to yeah. you know that we can all support together and like celebrate and wear our barongs to the cinema, you know, or or kind of, um, but you know that only exists if we make it, mm-hmm. and if we got to make enough noise too when it comes out. And I think, um, it, aside from just noise and creating content, like I think it, the, the the even this younger generation uh, has a more open mind than what the studios or even networks sure um, perceive them to be. Sure, like, absolutely. But it also comes down to buying power too, right? Yeah, oh, um, that's true. So uh, studios are great. They're 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 the people in development. Um, also, don't you know they they're kind of like, oh, great, Black Panther works. You know, we'll make other projects like Black Panther. There needs to be a, something from the Filipino community that organically grows on its own. It needs yeah. to make its own noise. So then that I mean, it happened with my big fat Greek wedding back in mm-hmm. like the late nineties. You know. Um, was it that long ago? Was it two thousand? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's 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 got to be. 
driven by the community. It's got to be supported by the community. Which I think that's, yeah, you bring up, aside from just the support, like just going to theaters and watching it, like, you know, entrepreneurs or business owners, you know, there has to be some form of synergy where uh, corporates or businesses support the Filipino creatives yeah. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, whatever the formula is, but mm -hmm. I think it's just the community helping um, build material, build content, funding things, yes. you know, even if like, uh, you know, whether it's doing uh, crowdfunding. Sure. It, you should do that. Or even like as little as uh, craft services, you know, yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's so important. And then for you going, as you built up to become a producer now, like uh, let's go back to like your origins too. Okay. Like, uh, particular supporting businesses like how tell tell the audience like how you got started into filmmaking oh and man like <laughs> okay um we're back in the day no uh so uh my I, my dad and i emigrated to the united states when i was eight years old in 1992 my mom was a nurse she was part of that program where they needed nurses mm -hmm. and and so we chain migrated to america and um <laughs> And we were granted citizenship. It was like, hey. um, But my dad was a photographer, and he started f shooting weddings and stuff. And I would help him because it was good money. And you know, that's what um, some Filipino parents think their children are for. To, yeah. You know, help. <laughs> and, uh, and so I started loading <laughs> film, and then I was like, oh, you know, we got all this film. I'll start shooting photography. And then I started shooting photography, and then I started I, I started getting really good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and so for my 16th birthday. Um, uh, my dad wanted to expand his business, and so he was like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "I was like, why don't you give me a video camera?" And I, he bought me a really expensive SVHS three CCD video camera, wow. and uh, instead of a car, it cost <laughs> <laughs> the whole editing system and that. Like, I had this thing called the Casablanca and like a two deck Ooh. linear. Um, it costs as much as a car, and wow. so but so then I started. Okay, well, you spent all this money. I'm going to learn how to shoot weddings. In high school, I started a business with him of shooting weddings, and my friends thought I was a drug dealer because <laughs> I was making so much money shooting these weddings because I would shoot the weddings like I would watch romantic comedies. They were like really sappy and beautiful, and you know, they used long lenses. And I like, and this is pre YouTube, y'all. Wow. So um, I started shooting weddings. Uh, and then while I had the video camera, my friends and I, who were a bunch of slackers and goofballs, were like, let's make some horror films. And around New Jersey and New York were these like abandoned, abandoned, you know, buildings. And we would go in there. I'm like, oh, a bunch of kids hanging out. Going oh, they're going to kill They were so dumb and they were so bad. But then um, a program at NYU noticed it. Mm -hmm. um, and I applied to that program. And it was called the NYU Future Filmmakers Program. It was uh, uh, William H. Cosby's program, Bill Cosby. <laughs> um, thanks, Bill. <laughs> uh, but um, and 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 they came in and I started. They taught me how to. They teach you how to make films, and they have incredible filmmakers to come in and talk nice. about it. And like uh, the NYU's like staff, and so you'd go in there and you'd see like you know Spike Lee, and then like all these like huge filmmakers. Um, talk about their craft and the process and you learn from them. And I keep up with this solid foundation of how to make film. Um, and so once I got past that, I went, I started making short films with my friends and then I got to uh, film school at NYU and at the School of Visual Arts. 
Um, and while doing that, it was uh, I was supported by my parents. They were really supportive. Aww. I thought they were like, oh, man, they want me to be a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer. They're like, I told them, I was like, mom, dad, I want to be into film. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Sigue. make sure you learn how to make money first and so i was like okay so um i went into it with that in mind and one of the things one of the things that we had to do was make a short film Mm -hmm. um and um, my budget for the short film was thirty thousand dollars i don't have thirty thousand dollars lying around even if i shoot weddings i was still paying for my tuition that was expensive and so um uh, uh, at the time i we i was growing up poor so um the only way i knew how to make money was to either to be a prostitute or a drug dealer um and so you made both work somehow yeah (laughs) i knew i couldn't be a prostitute because it didn't look that great so um hey hey don't say that i know but so then i was like oh i was like how am i gonna get weed to sell and so um your entrepreneur entrepreneur (laughs) um i started making uh, music videos with this guy named um uh dan melamed dan the man and um and one of the ways uh we would get pain was through the Mm. ish ish and um and so we would run around and uh uh, I, I took the school equipment and we made uh, backpack rap music videos, like these things in black and white. Um, and, and is this on tape or is this digital? No, this is film. This Dang. is 16, this is 16 millimeter Ooh. film. That's hardcore, um, guys. Black and white. So it was triax. It wasn't that expensive. And so well, we would make so these. For some of the YouTubers here, they don't know the struggle of film. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have your A7S's and 5D's and C300's. Final Cut. Oh, we had Final Cut. Um, um, which was just starting out. But anyway, I digress. This is a really long story. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, so uh, I got to raise some money because they got me the product, and I was able to distribute the product. Um, the statue of limitations over, I think. <laughs> hey, we're in Cali what. now. We're yeah. in Cali now. And, um, and I was able to raise the money. Um, and then I, like, you know, would work at the school and stuff and do all these things. And um, the the short was okay. It did okay. It was a little violent. It was called The Child Called It. And it was about a kid who was abused by his mom. And you know, he grew up and he carried that abuse onto his spouse. Ooh, um, I don't know why I chose that. Um, you know, I felt really strongly about it. But um, the short didn't do that well. But it did okay. Yeah. Um, but the guys that did the music videos for really liked it. Mm. And um, eventually that group became G-Unit. And that group, and I started doing videos for them and Dan and all that. And um, by the time they got picked up in the major label, like Interscope and stuff, I started producing music videos with them. And uh, we started doing late night BET videos. We started doing, and our budgets grew from like 30,000 to 100,000. Wow. kept growing and our little company grew. Um, And there was a point where I was like coloring two music videos. We shot a 35 millimeter at this color house. And this is back in the day where it was like $600 an hour to color a video because you're doing like oh, what's right. called a 2K film scan and you're f- scanning the film. And I had I was running two bays, two, two colorists, and I went outside and my professor was actually running the color house. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, what do you guys want for lunch? I said, I'd love sushi. And he goes, what about your bosses? And I'm like, I'm the boss. <laughs> and they're like, it's just me. And he goes, nobody can be here because we're shooting another video. Um, and so he, and the next day he was, I was in school and he was like, why are you still here? And I was like, I don't know, I need a degree, right? And he was like, you don't need a degree. And it's like, and that was when I left school. And that was when I left film school and I started producing music videos. But then my mom got, um, 
uh, breast cancer, mm. and which was really hard on me. So I did what all Asians do when, when you're dealing with something traumatic, and that is you work more, and you bottle it up, mm. uh, which uh, is not healthy. And that caught up with me. And I had a breakdown, and so I ended up selling my share to company and, and um, moving to Southeast Asia. I oh, moved wow. to Cebu, and um, I got a job, and I teamed up with a guy named Mike Gleisner um, to work on a Bigfoot yeah, and starting that. a school called the International Academy of Film and Television. Because he wanted to make sh films in the Philippines using local talent, but the local talent needed to be educated, so mm -hmm. we started teaching them. Um, and, and which is something I'm actually really proud of, that school uh, is a is still around. It's They're still, still there, strong. Yeah, They're yeah. still making films and still supporting filmmakers. Um, I I'm convinced that they kind of help usher a movement to Filipino mm -hmm. filmmakers. Um, and I did that for about a year until I moved I, to LA. Yeah, I do remember like the ads that because they were like looking to hire filmmakers yeah. and camera folks, and I, I seriously considered doing that, yeah, but they, I just had projects. I'm it like, was, Can I live in the Philippines? It was or, the best. It was it was for me. Uh, I needed it to kind of like refocus, refine my soul, um, and do, remember why I loved it. Yeah. Because um, cause when you're when you're 23, 22, and you're making hundred, hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollar music videos, and you're lying about your age, mm -hmm. right? So I was lying to people, telling them I was twenty eight at the time because no one's gonna wire a twenty one year old that much right. money. Um, you know, who just started his business account like six months wow. ago. Um, and it was, there was a lot of pressure and there was like a lot of pressure to do really well. And so it all caught up with me, you know, and it was like, so then I started teaching and I started, you know, working there and it was, uh, it was good. It was, it was, and then eventually I found myself here and I started working at a company here. Um, How long were you in the Philippines for? About a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I came here and I was like, I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to follow my dreams to direct. And I got here and it was the writer's strike. And it was <laughs> really tough. And that was a really humbling experience. Um, and uh, it was great because they then forced me to start from the bottom again. And so I started, I worked as a PA mm -hmm. for the 82nd Academy Awards. Oh, wow. I, I was at the 82nd Academy Awards, I was working the red carpet. That's funny. Like it's like <laughs> no, it's small world, right? That and I a, watched it. That was a I tough one it. because that was at the tail end of the writer's strike. Mm -hmm. And um I remember one of the, the jokes was during the opening number, there was supposed to be like fake props because um, you know, the whole industry had shut down up until that point. Um but yeah, because of that I ended up getting like all these other jobs. Um I was promoted from a PA in five days to a coordinator, which nice. was really cool. Um, and then I started, because uh, I knew how to produce, but I, I moved to L.A. to direct. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing, like, random jobs until I teamed up with this guy named Mike Mahale who runs a company called Gorilla Hollywood. And mm -hmm. Gorilla was, like, had this overall deal with Warner Brothers and stuff. And so he brought me in and, and took me in to, to direct music videos, not produce. Um, and so I was also able to use a lot of what I knew, mm -hmm. you know, from producing to... To, and jumping into the directing seat. And I did that for a while. I did that. I did a TV show called Gallery Girls that aired on Bravo, which was really cool. <laughs> and that took me back and forth to New York and L.A. Um, but then I was, like, really stepping, you know, trying to 
push and establish myself and they started doing more music videos here in LA and writing on all of them. And uh, eventually, I want to say about 2014, I was like, I think it's time to jump into narrative. And so I started writing and I started taking jobs and directing shorts and and episodics and pilots and things like that. And you've done some pretty diverse types of projects. Yeah. Especially the most recent one I heard of was having blind actors, like yeah. real blind actors, which is huge because that's a whole, you know, different uh, niche in itself. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, there was a, it was a project that was brought to me by Lindsay Nyman. Lindsay is amazing. Titled uh, The Blind Center, it, right? Yeah, it's called The Blind Center. And she was like, hey, I have these students from the Braille Institute and we want to make a project because, you know, there's so many projects in Hollywood where they cast sighted people to play, you know, blind act, yeah. blind characters. And it's like, well, you know, blind actors can play blind, you know, these 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 characters as well. And, 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 uh, and so I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's do it. And, and I think she raised the money and like, two weeks wow um like you know 20 grand appeared out of nowhere um and and so we started shooting it we shot it at like uh the philippine rec center over oh nice here in echo park and um it was amazing it was a uh a really fulfilling experience and and they were so talented and 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 i think it was the first time that it was like a cast that big of blind actors and it was a comedy it was about it was about how people act around people with disabilities and like you're like super pandering and super like and it makes them feel uncomfortable yeah. um but you know at least i guess it's it's there just treat them treat treat people with disabilities like normal people now were those actors have they been acting for a while or they started has... like yeah they were at a class they were oh, in okay. a school so they were training so they were training and i have a girlfriend she used to put on plays um with Blind actors. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, her name is Polita, and she was telling me about oh, it last wow. summer. And so I wonder if some of those was it theater for the blind? Uh, it might be. Yeah. It might be. Yeah, in and, City? Um, and it, it's it's just amazing because you know, as as an actress, you don't really think about those things, you know, yeah. uh, unless it really kind of comes across. And you're right; there there are plenty of sighted actors who have played blind or whatever, you know. Um, disabilities yeah. or disadvantages uh -huh. and it, i mean it, it's it's wonderful to hear that people are actually casting accurately yeah and, and i do understand like i mean we've i've spoken to some uh executives for diversity and like cbs nbc like they that's one of the initiatives they're trying to do aside from like getting casting people of color or they're trying to find talent of yeah. with disabilities absolutely you know? absolutely um and actually i think we have a clip from the blind center so like inst instead of talking about it let's just show them a little trailer of what yeah. blind center is all about so here check it out this is the blind center by tim cruz branches a bird falls from your nest on top oh yes perfect and take your spot in the forest. Yes, and a breeze has swept through. The pupils at this school need drama class more than they need any other class. Art class, great. Cooking class, great. Mobility skills, okay. Braille reading and writing, maybe. But what's the one thing in this life that separates us from the animals, hmm? What is it, I ask you? The theater. Hands on the hips, chest out, 
Breathe in your glory and never breathe it out. Hold that glory with you always. Okay, breathe out. Yes, good, but hold on to the glory. That stays with you. Breathing is just necessary for life, but glory is with you always. Gary's stupid as hell, but I like his crazy tail. Back. We're back, yeah. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. I got there. <laughs> and yeah, that was, that was a great trailer. And I mean, yeah. um, how long did that take you guys to film? We took us two days to film, hmm. um, but about uh, about a week of pre-production. It took about two, three weeks of post. It was, uh, um, so the way that we, the, the short is framed is actually really curious um so we the the film starts out as uh the end of a fundraiser video and then it stops and you hear a voiceover it's like is there anything else and he said oh we can look at the outtakes so the actual short film is the outtakes from this fake documentary that they they were making and you find that within the the within the outtakes and the b-roll and everything is a story mm-hmm. about the actual real struggles of a place like this that they they have the same problems that any regular institution has and the reason we did it that way was i was talking to this actor and i said what is what is what are some of the most difficult things about being blind and he said she said um, you know, it's one thing that you can't see. It's another thing to feel like you're not seen. Mm. And there comes a point where because you're disabled, people would go out of their way to not interact with you because the disability makes them feel uncomfortable. Um, and that's very real. And so I said, why don't we then just make a short film where there is a story in the things that are usually ignored? And so that is like the premise and the framing of the short that we decided to, you know, execute that way. And as a director, I mean, I'm, was that the first time you've directed uh, a person with a disability or a blind person? And like, how how different or similar was that to directing people I, with vision? I think hmm, it's a. I don't think the disability got in the way. In fact, you know what was really wonderful? Was there were some actors who could feel where the light was, and if they knew where the key light was, they knew where the the camera would be. Mm. And so they would play off the line, and you wouldn't even have to tell them where the camera was at. Nice. Um, and, it was really, and it was really wonderful. Um, I have worked with other disabled talent, um, not, you know, whether... And I think I treat it the same way where you try to extract their truth and you try to find the rhythm or you try to get them to match the rhythm, okay. right? And so as a director, your main responsibility is maintaining atmosphere, tone, and control. Um, and so you're juggling that with your your keys, with your DP, with your production designer. And, and in, in coaching the actor in the dialogue, what you're trying to sustain is this rhythm between them. And so new actors don't know about that new rhythm yet because they, uh, you, and that's something that you develop through training, through your school, and 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 there are so many directors out there who are like, oh, your improv is really good. I'm like, that's not improv. That's 
just the way they speak. You know, that's all scripted. That's all in there. It's the, the inflection that they use feels nuanced and new because they're improvising in the sense of how they're saying the words. But the words are there. The words are real. You know, maybe the emotion is, you know, kind of. And so what you try to do is you try to maintain that balance, that that particular cadence between the two actors or that one actor. Um, and you try to sustain that throughout the entire picture and you try to sustain that through the narrative. Mm. Um, and so, again, if it's a new actor, you just coach them to get there. And then you try to get them to that place where they're free to, exp- you know, give themselves. Okay. Um, that's so pretty technical. I'm sorry. It, it's no, so no. fascinating to, you know, for to hear that, uh, you know, the actors that you had on that particular project that, you know, the struggle is to not, is that they're not seen for, you know, for who they are or, you know, even being there because I feel like a lot of, it's so relatable on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. You know, if you you don't speak whatever language it is in the country that you're in, sometimes people will straight up not even look at you in the face and, you know, talk to you and it's almost like you go into this invisible mode. Uh So that it's so fascinating. I'm so excited to see it. Yeah, Yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) When when will it be out? Uh, Well, it is actually about to play at the Garden State Film Festival in New Jersey. Nice. Uh, We won the grand jury in LA at a film festival here and um, it played in Nevada. Um, and we were, it's great, it was invited to screen at Sundance and at Toronto, um, because uh, not in competition though. Okay. Um, and it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a fun, fun journey for it. And, and we, have, we have another kind of a project behind it, you know, with some of the same uh, players um, called Bits. Um, we don't know what's gonna happen with that, but you know, it's, it's, we're hoping that Lindsay takes the project and continues it more mm-hmm. um, because it is actually also a proof of concept of a, part, uh, a series that could happen, you know. Yeah, that actually, that's even just a, like a TV series or, yeah, mm-hmm. or a sitcom or whatever. That's yeah. a actually great and interesting concept, you know. Right? Um, now, going into that angle, like where do you see the industry headed uh, in the future? Like whether it's three years from now, five years from now, and, you know, like what any advice that you might have uh, to upcoming directors or filmmakers with that projection? I think the technology has afforded you to be able to create content that can sustain in the mass market. You've got camera formats that can capture at a high quality that you can compress and simulate high quality like back when i was coming up in order for me to make a broadcast quality content i had to shoot it on film and so that's that's a hundred and ten dollars just 10 minutes of raw footage that that actually needed about another hundred dollars so for every 10 minutes of raw footage was 250 dollars right now i can shoot 10 minutes (laughs) on a 5d mark 3 in 4k for nothing because it's just all digital does yeah. it make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the quality of the content needs to sustain. So watch as many YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and I think um, you know that so that you know what quality is. You know, I think that's the one of the things that's lacking. But if anything, it's you know, if you tell a good story, if you tell a, a compelling narrative about the human experience, about your experiences as uh, you know as a minority or, or your your. St- 
I think it'll catch on. And I think that is the future. That is the future of this industry is how capable are you at creating compelling content with your friends and putting it out there? It's it used to be determined by these gatekeepers in Hollywoods and the studios. Um, but there's like OTT networks and SVOD and streaming and Amazon has like these programs where you can mm-hmm. put your product and they'll pay, they'll pay you, you know, <laughs> they'll pay you for every stream of your project. Um, it's changing. Content is king and you're all in charge. And so that is great that, you know, advice. The, the, I mean, so the future is bright for filmmakers. The future is so bright. Make your own content. Screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, can, I'm gonna, can oh. you tell us really quick how people can find you, social media wise, website? Sure. Uh, so my go to Instagram social media handle is called Tim Cruz Loves You. It's T I M C R U Z Loves You. Um, luckily, you can just Google to Tim Cruz director and it just <laughs> pops up my. You know, my face. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. You can get in touch with me any day. You know, um, and my website and whatnot. But hopefully, you go out there. If you see the Blind Center, go out and check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see um, uh, Wildy, Wilbur, Wilbur, yeah. Wildy, that's the Filipino film. Hopefully, you come out and support it. And um, and yeah, but you know, keep supporting, keep building each other up. And, and you know, we'll make enough noise. And, yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming out oh, here. Thanks for and having me. Great. is very informative and insightful. Like, yeah. you ha- you are just a treasure trove of knowledge, man. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Salamat. And I hope you can come back and join us in the future. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, again, Tim Cruz, please follow him. Check out his movies. Uh, I think today we've learned a lesson from Tim, aside from just creating content, just Keep your friends. Uh, you never know how you guys will rise up together and mm-hmm. stay, just stay connected and make those, build those relationships because uh, friendships is what, what's going to make it or break it in this industry. So uh, thank you again, Tim, for yeah. uh, coming out to Voices. I'm Walter Talents, and this is... Arlene De La Pena. And uh, this is Phil Am Creative's podcast. Voices. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So cheesy. I love that. When you guys did that, I was like, nah. This episode of Philam Creative Voices podcast brought to you by the wonderful casting crew. Director and producer Rodney Cujudo. Producer and host Walter Talens. Producer and host Arlene De La Pena. Director of photography and producer Winston Fernando. Cam op and sound and producer Charles Gray. Production coordinator, Sarnika Lim. Stage director, Angela Paviera. Cam Op and BTS, Homer Dulu. Cam Op and PA, Bernice Bernardo. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode.